uh, it's wonderful to spend this time with you, praise the Lord with you, be on this journey with you. You might want to grab your notes out of your handout, and what you might notice is that we are jumping into a new series. It's called Worship the King. It's a four-week series on worship, and I am absolutely excited about what it is that we are going to go after. I really do want to encourage you, today be one of those days to, to take good notes and, and, and really just this series to lean into, because I promise you this, that if, if you try track with us and, and even really put into practice <clears throat> what it is, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting so emotional, uh, what it is that we're going after over this series, what you'll find is that it could be very transformative in your faith journey, that this could be the first time that you start experiencing an open heaven and, and just the blessings of God in a, in a daily kind of a practice as you lean into what it looks like to be a worshiper. So that's what we're gonna go after over these next four weeks. Please uh, come, participate, be a part of this, this journey. And then what I wanna start with, kind of right out of the gate, is I wanna divorce a concept. I wanna break apart something because so often what happens in our minds and in our language is that we lump worship as a genre of music. That's, that's what we sort of inadvertently, we kind of put it as just a genre of, of music. And, and I want us to kind of take that apart. Because what you'll find as we jump into this is that worship is so much more than music. Now, it can be a, music can be a part of it. Singing can be a part of it. But it is much bigger than simply a genre of music. Amen? Are you with me? So as we go into scripture, you'll see that we are going way old school this morning. We're going all the way back into the book of Exodus. We're going to take a look. This is where God gave the Ten Commandments, the ten big ones. And, and this defined what it is that he wanted his people, his chosen family to be about. And so let's go in, and, and this is a part of the Ten Commandments. We'll talk about four of them. This is God speaking, and, and he says this, you must have not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So as we jump into this, you will notice that out of 10 commandments, four of them have to do with worship. So let's jump in. The first one is, you must not have any other God but me. He, God is saying, bow the knee to no one else. Bow the knee to nothing else. <clears throat> then he says, you must make for yourself no idol, right? There are to be no idols, no images, no straw, no wood, no metal. That These man-made creations are not going to be a part of your story, and then the next one, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Friends, our Lord's name is not to be a swear word, right? Some of you already know that. Some of you make a note. And then the last one here is a help for us. It's actually a tool that God provides. He, he gives us the Sabbath day. And the Sabbath day is a day that we are to set apart for rest and for pause and for creating margin in our lives for worship, right? It's, it's for worship. It's literally one day out of seven set apart and created for worship. And so here's the question I want to ask. Out of 10 commandments, these are four. They all have to do with worship. Which commandments are these four? 
you get a gold star in heaven if you get this one right. Which commandments out of 10 are these four? The first four. You get a gold star. I can't see you, but God does. He knows exactly who said that. It's the first four. And the reason why I point that out to you is because you need to understand this, that we want to create a culture where we worship first. But you need to understand that's not a Pastor Mike idea, and it's not an Overlake Christian Church idea. The concept of worship first is a God idea. And it goes all the way back to Exodus because he starts off with the creation of his people. He says, here are the first things you have to keep in mind. These are the first priorities for you. And so this is, if you're filling in the blanks, you need to understand when we talk about worship first, here's what we mean. We mean we worship first in priority. So it is our highest purpose. It's our first purpose. And then the next fill-in, we worship first in chronology. In other words, no matter what we face, no matter what we're presented with, no matter what challenge we find ourselves in, we worship first as our response. So it's our first purpose and our first response. A number of years ago, a man named Jim Collins wrote a book called Good to Great. And he's, he, he identifies these concepts that great corporations have. And one of the things that I remember from that book, many of you might have read that in, in your marketplace lives or, or business lives, but one of the concepts that he talks about is a concept called the hedgehog concept. And the hedgehog concept is really interesting. It actually comes from an old proverb which says something like, a fox knows many things, but the hedgehog knows one thing well. And so I want you to think about a hedgehog. What a hedgehog does is it curls into a prickle ball, right? So if a, a hedgehog is threatened, it curls into a prickle ball. If a hedgehog is excited, it curls into a prickle ball. If a hedgehog is bored, it curls into a prickle ball. If a hedgehog is celebrating, it curls into a prickle ball. It's got one response that it goes after again and again and again, and it just curls up in a prickle ball. Apparently, it has that move patented in the natural realm. I don't know. But it does one thing. By the way, this is just an aside. I bought my wife this t-shirt for Christmas. I thought it'd be fun to give it to her. It says, hedgehogs, why don't they just share the hedge? And she chuckled just like you did and then gave it to my daughter. So but that doesn't have anything to do with anything. So, so, so here's the deal. The hedgehog principle is all great companies do one thing really well. They do one thing. It's their first priority and their first response. Overlake, this is the call for us as a community of followers of Jesus, as a community of children of God Most High, we are to worship first. That's our one thing. Amen? Like that is who we want to be. And everything else then spills over or follows from this first response. So what I want to do in our time together today is I want to unpack a little bit about what worship is. Again, it's not a genre of music, so what is it? And if you're filling in the blanks, these are, these are different parts of the scaffolding of what it is that, that we talk about when we pursue this thing called worship. So here's the first fill-in. Worship is expressing love to God. It's adoration to him. So anytime you're telling God that you love him, you're telling God how you love him, you're telling God why you love him, that is worship. 
And this could be during songs that we sing together corporately. This could be during your quiet time with the Lord. This could be, uh, you know, in your Tuesday afternoon task list kind of a, a thing. But anytime you are taking time mentally, you're, you're getting your heart in this posture of expressing love to God, that is worship. And you probably already know this about me, that I, I really do try to spend at time every morning starting my day with this. That in my quiet time, in my time of prayer journaling, I try to start with my heart in the posture of expressing love to God. Amen. So that, that's what worship is. The, 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 the love of your heart toward God expressed. Worship is also ministry to God's heart. So if you're filling in the blanks, that's number two here. Ministry to God's heart. And this is a great truth for us to remember because it helps us answer the question, who is worship for? Worship is for God. That's who it's for. And, and it really does help us sort of clarify sort of all of the silly things that we find ourselves saying from time to time. Like when you walk out of a church experience, or you walk out of a conference experience or something, and you find yourself saying to your friend, you know, I really liked worship today, as if it was yours to critique. I, I, I didn't really resonate with the worship today. Well, it's a good thing it wasn't for you at all, right? Like worship isn't for you. Worship is for God. And it just changes then the way we even talk about worship because worship is ministry from me to God's heart. He's the one I want to be concerned about receiving my worship. Are you, are you with me? It just changes the whole equation. And if you go into the Old Testament, you see that the whole tabernacle was designed to minister to God's heart. And then later, later the design of the temple was for the ministry to God's heart to bless him and magnify him and to be pleasing to him. There's a, the Westminster Catechism asks this question, what is the chief end of humankind? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Right? That's our job description, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, I want to give us something to watch out for when we pursue this idea of ministering to God's heart, and it's this. When we try to worship God with less than all of our being, we shortchange God. And you might want to write that down. When we try to worship God with less than all of our being, we shortchange him. And the fullest life comes when we give our full self to worshiping. What happens is we tend to put limits around how we'll worship. So we never really say these things consciously. It's just what we embrace. For example, I'll worship God with my voice at Overlake, but not with my time or not with my money or not with my service. Right? We limit it. Or I'll worship God with these friends over here, my church friends, but I won't worship with these friends over here, my work friends. Right? And, and so here's what that is. And you, you can write this down. It's part-time worship. It's part-time worship. And, and, and here's what I want to say. Friends, he's God. So worshiping him with less than our all, that, that illustrates a problem. And we've talked about this before, that, that if I'm being honest to you, I want to confess to you that some days I am a great worshiper. Some days are amazing. You know what? I can honestly say before the Lord that I have some hours when I am just golden. I have some moments where I am like on fire. But then there are these other times when 
I'm just taking care of my task list, or I'm, I'm just going after the things I think I need to do for that day, or I'm just responding to stressful situations, or I, I'm just doing, you know, just kind of the normal ebb and flow of life, and I'm not actually in a worship spot. I'm in this other spot, you know, taking care of my own stuff, and I imagine that's true for you as well. And so here's the deal. What do you do when you find yourself in that spot? You know, Bible says we're to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and yet we don't always love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So what do we do? And here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to, to recognize that God is actually inviting us to lean back into worship. Because the more we lean into worship, the more you'll stop seeing that love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength as a command, and you'll start viewing it as a promise. That God actually helps you. As you lean into worship, he helps you fulfill this very thing that he's commanded for you to do. And so we just keep coming back to worship again and again and again. And the point that I'm trying to make is that we cannot come to God on our own terms. If we come to God on our own terms, check this, then it's not God we're coming to. It's a tame idea of God. If you come to God on your own terms, it's just a tame idea of God. And let me tell you something. If it's tame, it's lame. Okay? If it's tame, it's lame. And that's true about your worship as well. That when we come to God, we want to really worship God with all that we are. And if our worship is tame, then it's lame. We, we want to make sure we're bringing all of ourselves to the Lord. Okay. So in the presence of a living God, our knees tremble. It's a humble and total surrender as our response to this good God who loves us. And then the joy and the passion that comes from laying down our arms and being liberated by him. Worship is authentic ministry to God's heart as we express our love and adoration for him. And then it's also this, and I want you to catch this. It's, it's agreeing with the truths of our faith. Worship is agreeing with the truths of our faith. And, and, and I want you to understand that, that as we sing songs together or as we read truths out of the scripture together, that what we want to do is we want to make sure that these are not just words that we're singing, these are not just words that we're reading, but we're actually deep within ourselves, we're agreeing with this stuff, that, that, that we're embracing these truths of our faith. And, and I've talked about this before, and I'm sure I'll talk about it again, but this is why my prayer for you is that when you come together in corporate worship, that you actually sing the songs that are being prepared for us to sing. And th there's a reason behind it. The reason is, you guys need to know, we have this incredible worship pastor in Jessica, and she is absolutely anointed by God to do this, this work that she's doing, leading us into the throne room of the Lord and and she literally she pursues the Lord all week long and she she's seeking to have the spirit lead her to the songs that will best minister to our hearts as we minister to God's heart and and so if you're not singing the songs then you're you're like missing out on all of that and and why I want you to sing the songs is cuz I want the words that we sing to actually sink down deep in your heart I want you to know these words and, and to be singing these words, not just on Sunday morning, but, but on Tuesday and on Thursday and on Saturday afternoon, that, that they're just, they, they become a part of you. Because friends, you might not know this. Many of you know this, but some of you might not know this. Most of the songs that we sing, they're straight out of scripture. 
There is so much biblical truth in what it is that we're singing. And, and so that's why my encouragement is for you, not just to sort of stand and like, you know, just like endure worship. It's, it's not for you to, to even just kind of, you know, move your mouth and, you know, watermelon your way through worship. It's that you would actually sing the words. And, and you, would, you push back, because I've heard this before. Well, pastor, I don't know the words. That's why you sing them, you know. You sing, they're on the screen. It's not, I didn't know any song before I walked into this room. And then I learn every song, right? And Jessica's so funny because I'll, I'll pitch a song to her and I'll go, oh, Jess, you, can we sing that one song? And she's like, how's it go? And I'm like, uh, la, 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 I don't know. Sorry, I, I don't know. I don't know the, word, the, the titles of the songs. I don't know the melody of the song. But when I'm in this moment, I sing these songs, the words of these songs with all my heart. And some of you push back too because you're like, well, I don't sound that good. Listen, amen, brother. I don't sound good at all. That's why the Bible actually says make a joyful noise. Are you with me? I'm in the front row here. I'm making a joyful noise. If my mic is ever turned on, the room will clear. I know it. But it's not for you. It's for the Lord. He thinks it's cool. So, all right. So I want you to to agree with these words that we're singing. And and that's a part of, of what it is that worship is. Also, anytime you write out a Bible verse, do exactly the same thing. Anytime that that God just speaks to you from the pages of scripture, write that thing out and let those words go deep in your heart and agree with them because that's a part of your worship. You're saying in that moment, God, what you say actually matters most to me. What you you have communicated in your word, that makes a difference in my life. And that's worship. All right, the next fill-in is worship is exaltation and making much of God, exalting him. King David is so good at this. Psalm 34.1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Circle the phrase at all times. I will bless him at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And again, what, what, what starts this idea of exaltation is you just asking your, yourself the question, how great is our God? Right? Just ask that question to yourself. How great is our God? And then you will begin to answer that question. Lord, you're awesome, and you are good, and you are love, and you are kind, and you are winsome and mysterious, and you are joyful and extravagant. You're saving and delivering and healing. You're scandalous. You're uproarious. You're pursuing. You're gracious. You're creating, though uncreated. You're the bedrock of nobility and gentility and the source of all beauty. Lord, you are the I am. And I am humble and grateful. And I am a stumbling saint worshiping and trying to point to you and glorify you with my life. And, and we just want to make much of God. And, and so in worship, we, we, we come and we exalt him. But there is something else that we watch out for. And it's this. When we worship things other than God, we find emptiness and dissatisfaction. And so th- this is that challenge that God says don't go for an idol because he knows how we're wired that if we worship anything other than God, we find emptiness and dissatisfaction. And, and we know that, that we're all sort of prone to this. So I just want to ask you, is there anything in your life that you find yourself bowing the knee to? Because some, they bow down to debauchery or hedonism, and, and yet in moments of clarity, no one and I mean no one thinks that that will fulfill the deepest longings of our soul. Sooner or later, everybody wakes up from the party and says, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time. Some people bow down to money or materialism. 
And then the question comes, well, do we really think that nicer uh, clothes or a better car or more square footage will fulfill the spiritual hunger in my life? Yeah, a question, have you ever purchased something and, and brought it home, and by the time you get it home, you just find yourself a little empty, right? That buyer's remorse kind of a feeling. How many of you know that retail therapy isn't therapy at all? Do we know this? You know, here we are in January, and some of us still feel a little bit of that Christmas hangover, don't we? Because we put all of this money and all this energy and all this stress and effort into buying just the right gifts, and, and you know those toys, they're already broken beyond repair, right? right? And we, do, we don't even have room in our closets for the stuff that we got, and we had to figure out what to do with them. And, like, that, that's just, again, I'm not trying to put anything down. I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty. I'm trying to tell us that we already know this intrinsically, that idols that we bow the knee to will not fulfill us. They won't sustain us. They won't bring us to full life. And, and so the problem is much deeper. It's that when we worship anything other than God, we are the ones who lose out. Idols are now and have always been lifeless and cheap and without the power to make us whole. And that's why Jesus tells us in Luke 4, 8, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And the word I want you to circle is only. Serve only him. So it's exaltation, it's making much of God, it's also an offering of gratitude. It's an offering of gratitude where we thank God for who he is, for what he's done, for what he's doing, and for what he has not yet done yet. Right? I, I, I want to talk about this because we, we do bring it up from time to time. A practice that I think is really, really helpful is to thank God for the answers to prayer that are on the way. Right, the, the, he, We can't see evidence of them yet, but in faith we hold to the fact that God is behind the scenes already bringing the answer to our petition. And, and so this idea of an offering of gratitude as a lifestyle. By the way, I would say that this is where the idea of grace before meals comes from. And it is a great practice. It shouldn't be the only time you pray, but it is a beautiful time to pray. I call this worship first before eating, yeah. Right? It's an opportunity for, for you with your family or with your loved ones to come together and just acknowledge that God is the source of all the provision, all of the bounty that you're about to consume, all the nourishment that keeps you moving. He's the source of all those things. And, 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 and so it's an opportunity not just to thank him for what he's done, but it is a declaration of faith in the future that as he has provided, God will continue to provide. Amen. And so it's, a, a, it's gratitude as a lifestyle as a part of our worship, living grateful before the Lord. And then this next fill-in is anything we can do to honor the God we love. Anything we can do. Anything that you do with excellence, anything you do out of your unique gift and talent mix, out of the spiritual gifts that God has given you, anytime you exercise those gifts, it's an opportunity to worship him. See, the scripture says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so I want you to circle the word whatever. What, what can be worshiped? Whatever can be worshiped. If you do it for the glory of God, that can be an act of worship. So hiking to a ridge to enjoy a sunshine. Uh, this morning before services, I, I went on a little four-mile run and was worshiping the whole time. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but Mark and Leslie and Tamara, they come into this room while the band is actually doing their run-through before services start, and they just spread out, and they pray over the seats, and they invite the Holy Spirit to come in, and it's just this beautiful expression 
of worship, right? And, and the invitation of the Holy Spirit to be here. And so my desire is that, that this is something that we would really press into at Overlake. And specifically this season, in the dark and cold kind of time of the year, there are many of us that can just feel like, because I feel a little bit stuck in this winter, maybe that, that God isn't present with me, maybe he is distant from me. And, and so that's why this scripture is so powerful in James, which says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then let me talk about how we draw near to God. See, the Bible actually tells us how we draw near to the Lord. The Bible says that we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and we enter into his courts with praise. So you draw near to God by worshiping him. Right? The Lord inhabits the praise of his people, the scripture says. So, so if you want to draw near to God, worship is that shortcut. It brings you right into the presence of the Lord. And let me be really, really clear. It's not like there's a formula that we sing. There's not uh, like a formula of worship that we pray, that we somehow coax God out of hiding and then he comes near to us. That's not how it works at all. No, friends, you need to understand God is already here. God is already present with us. No, if we coax anything out of hiding, it's our own hearts. Right? We worship because we coax our own hearts out of hiding. And we come and we say, Lord, I desire your presence. And we open our eyes realizing his presence is all around us already. Like he is already here and he is already loving us and he is already with us. So we draw near to him and we experience his presence and his spirit through worship. I want to look at two prominent worship first examples from the scripture. So these are by no means the only examples, but they're two. They live very different lives, but they worship first. And the first one I want to talk about is David. David, he models praise with his life. He was this warrior poet, but he consistently worshiped with his life. And, and, and so there's so many examples of this, but I, I highlighted one here. Psalm 43, 5 says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? It's just recognizing where he is. He must have been in January in the Northwest, right? That's just where he is. And then he says, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Amen. We were talking about this as a creative team, and we came up with this. You know, the question is, why is my battery low? Well, it's because I haven't plugged in for a while. I, I'm in need of fuel. Well, why am I cranky and short with people? Well, it's because you're hangry, right? You're, you haven't eaten today. You're in need of fuel. Well, why is my car choking and bucking and rolling to a stop? It's because it's empty. You're in need of fuel. What David is saying in this passage is, look, my heart is off. I'm sad. I'm discouraged. I, I'm feeling down and Oh, I know what I need. I need to fuel up. And here's the truth. Worship is the fuel on which we were designed to run. Right? Worship is the fuel that, on which we were designed to run. And so that's what fills us up and fuels us for the next leg of the journey. And it's not just David, but in the New Testament, Paul is our example of worship first. Paul gives us this beautiful picture of what born again looks like. 
And if you read through the book of Acts, you'll see that he can't sit still, that he's just joyfully haunted by his loving Savior. He can't do enough to honor God. And, and, and it's this picture of being on fire. He's like starting these spiritual fires wherever he goes, and they're called, you know, church plants. And, and it's just this beautiful thing where he's saying, I can't not praise him. I can't do anything else. I can't choose anything other than this. He is the reason for my life. He's the Savior of my soul. He's the giver of good gifts. I was the chief of of sinners and he has repurposed my life and so I live for his glory and, and there's nothing else and there's just this beautiful expression of worship first. All of his ministry flowed from that and that's what I want us to go after overlay. See here's the truth, the more you praise God, the more you feel like praising God, amen? The more you exalt his name, the more you'll realize how much more he's worthy of exaltation. Amen. The more passionate you get for God, the more you'll realize that he is actually passionate for you in a way you can never match. And so it just stirs you to be more passionate towards him. And I just want you to know this, that your passion, it flows from a singular focus on that which is of utmost importance. The Lord himself is of utmost importance. And so your passion will flow when your focus becomes more and more singular to be upon him. Again, back to that hedgehog principle. What is it that we do? We worship first. That's our one thing. We worship first. My friend Pastor Kara was asking me this week, what is it that I really hope for? What is my prayer around this series for us as a church family? And and, and so we were talking about that, and, and here's what I really pray for. I, I think God's already building this among us. But I believe this is my desire, I think this is the Lord's desire, that we are a church of worshipers who worship first. Amen. That we are worshipers who worship first. And, and the worship service that we sit through and that we participate in on Sunday morning, it's just practice. It's, it, all it is is practice. We come in here and we practice corporately so that when we leave this place, we leave as worshipers who worship him all the time, each and every day. Are you with me, Overlay? Like, that's what it's all about. And so I, I want to talk to you about the last thing that, that worship is, at least in our conversation this morning. The, the last thing I want to talk about is that worship is a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice of praise. And there's a book that many of us have read and are, are kind of in here at Overlake uh, in our worship team. It's called Worship the King. And around one, page 145, he talks about our sacrifice of praise is actually as a response to the sacrifice of love that Jesus Christ has made on our behalf. Because he sacrificed, so then we are now willing to sacrifice. And our sacrifice is submission to him. Romans 12.1, it actually talks about how we're to offer our whole selves as a living sacrifice. Paul says, this is our spiritual act of worship. And the reason why I bring this up and the reason why I wanted to end our time with it is because as humans, and this is true for every one of us, there are many times we don't especially feel like worshiping God. Right, right. It, well, we, we feel stressed. We feel anxious. We feel sad. We, we feel like the challenges that we face are insurmountable. 
There are so many times when, when we don't have this emotional, psychological feeling like what I really want to do right now is worship God. But in the midst of those moments when you don't feel like worshiping God, and yet you choose to worship, that is a sacrifice of praise. Are you with me? Like this is that moment where you say, regardless of how I feel, regardless of my stress, regardless of my discouragement, like David said, I will praise him. He is my savior. He is my king. I will elevate the name of the Lord most high. Amen? And then that becomes a sacrifice of praise straight to the ministry to God's own heart. And, and I, I really do think we do so many things that are just human-centric. We do so many things that are self-centric, even the questions that we ask. Because often what we ask ourselves are questions like this. When do I feel like worshiping? But there's a better question. And the question is, when is our God worthy of worship? All the time. That's right. Thank you, Doug. Doug, another gold star in heaven right there. The answer for those of you in the back sleeping, it's always. All right, always. He's always worthy of our worship. And so we want to make sure that we're approaching worship, not from the self-starting place or the human starting place, but from the, the God starting place. Because, again, it's not for us. It's for him. And the sacrifice of praise that we offer, it's rooted deeply in the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. And that's why we're going to have an opportunity to come to the Lord's table. And you'll notice that they're set up and in the back, in the middle, and in the front here. And it just reminds us that Jesus knew exactly what was going on. That nothing about the crucifixion caught Jesus off guard. Nothing about the sacrifice that he was making caught him off guard. He planned it with the Father before the foundations of the world. And so the night before he was crucified, he knew exactly what was going to happen. And that's why he took the bread and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, I want you to take this and eat it. And remember that it represents my body that's broken for you. And every time you eat this bread, remember me. Remember my sacrifice of love. And then in the same way, he took the cup and he poured it and he passed it around. And he said, take and drink. And this cup, it represents my blood which is shed for you. And, and every time you drink this cup, remember me. And remember my sacrifice of love. And there will be a day when we drink this cup and we eat this meal together in my Father's kingdom. And so I want you to look forward to that as well. So friends, that's why we can sacrifice our praise to him today. So I want to ask you to stand right now. I want you to, to do any business in your hearts with the Lord right now. If there's anything you need to lay down, if there's any idol you need to, to remove from your life, if there's any sin you need to confess, just, just do that in this time with the Lord. And then when you're ready, I want to invite you to come to the table and grab the cup and grab the, the, the bread and, and go back to your seat and, and then take communion as an act of your sacrifice of praise to the Lord, remembering his sacrifice of love for you. Amen. Whenever you're ready, please come.